Informed Dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics, with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board-certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Well, Mark, great to be with you again on another episode of Informed Dissent. Uh, I understand we're about 150,000 listens to our podcast, so that's kind of exciting. Listen, we did this as a way for you and I to have fun, and if other people wanted to tune in and get some information, uh, so be it. So I don't know about you, but I'm having fun. And they're tuning in to the fun. They are tuning in. You know, before we came on air, sometimes I forget that our audience can't see us, they can only hear us, but we always try to have some patriotic shirt on. So I'm wearing a shirt that says, I tested positive for freedom with an American flag. I saw my buddy Mark Meckler from Convention of States wearing this and I and I had to have one so I I ordered one um, but great to be with you now before we came on we talked about a little airline computer snafu with you what happened with your computer well the bad is that my computer disappeared on my way back from an interview that I had with Daystar cable broadcasting out of Dallas Texas when I arrived home I opened up my bag and there was no computer oh boy. so of course I promptly panicked and began trying to call the airlines who told me that there was a two to three hour wait to have the phone call returned, which didn't really help things. And then I went online and I discovered that there is a way actually to retrieve lost items, but it involves a third party and you have to submit a claim form and then wait up to 30 days, which was not very reassuring either. So with little sleep and a lot of anxiety, I woke up in the morning and noticed that a woman named Stacy had left me a message on my business number. She works for American Airlines and she said, Mr. McDonald, I have your laptop and it's in Orlando. (laughs) So apparently it fell out of my bag somewhere between Dallas, Fort Worth and Los Angeles, slid onto the floor and was picked up on the next leg of the plane's journey on its way back east to Florida, where it now rests in the lost and found department at the American Airlines terminal. They are going to return it to me, and I did pay a, a fairly uh, hefty gift to FedEx to have it shipped back overnight so that I'll have it so, available so to me. So you and Hunter Biden have tomorrow. something in common with your lost laptop, huh? The only thing we have in common is that the laptop was lost. There's no, but I would say that there's no the, the content, you with no, you know, I, I should have spiced it up a little bit before I lost my laptop because I think that the, uh, the 8,462 scheduling email messages for various podcasts are about the only thing that people are going to find on it of interest, and I think they're going to fall asleep before they even get to number 30. Oh, my gosh. You know, so I, I normally record these from my home. I'm in my office today, and driving over here, I was running some errands this morning for my charter school and so forth, and driving over here today, I was on the, uh, the 5 freeway that goes through Orange County in L.A., and all the signs, you know, the luminescent signs where you'd see an amber alert or what have you. Right now, all the signs say the following. Get boosted. Mask up with an N95 mask. So that's your tax dollars hard at work. It's propaganda, isn't it? It's pure propaganda. It is false information, not an error, but actual false information paid for by the people and pushed on us by the government who knows better. And the whole point of it is to influence behavior and influence behavior in an unhelpful way. Let's break down the message, get boosted. So obviously that means get a booster shot. 
we we are now seeing evidence that the booster shots simply are not effective against Omicron. Israel just did a study looking at a fourth booster shot, and they concluded that the fourth booster shot, forget about the third, is just simply not effective against Omicron. And so, listen, I don't care if somebody wants to get vaccinated. I'm not anti-vax. Go ahead and get vaccinated. If you've done the research, risks, benefits, side effects, potential injury, and you've come to the conclusion that it's right for you. But this nonsense that everybody and their mother should simply be vaccinated and boosted as a means to end this pandemic, not only is inaccurate, but I think it's harmful. Um, What should be on that sign is get treatment early and maybe a a link to earlycovidcare.org or one of the other websites that has protocols for early treatment. That's what should be on the sign, not this nonsense about wearing a mask or getting a booster shot. And then the other part is wear an N95 mask. I mean, what, what the hell is that all about? You know, I have a patient in the hospital now, not for COVID, um, for an unrelated uh, condition. And I went, went to visit him, him last couple of days and I hadn't been in my local hospital in a long time. I didn't know what the protocol was gonna be. I was a little, I was a little nervous going over. I have a doctor badge that I wear. There's no star on it that says I'm vaccinated, et cetera. So I didn't even know if they were gonna let me in. Now, fortunately, it, it wasn't as my mind uh, made it up to be. And I was able to just walk in. I had a, just a plain surgical mask that they handed me, which is fine. And, uh, and I went up and visited him. Um, and it's, it reminds me that my local hospital has twice a year mask fitting uh, seminars or, or protocols or, or um, uh, um, events that you can sign up for. And, and the purpose is the N95 masks come in about four different sizes. So they make sure they kn- you know what size, you know, extra small, small, medium, large, extra large, and so forth. They teach you how to wear it. There's a specified way to put the mask on so you don't contaminate it, fit it around your nose and so forth. And then equally important, there's a mechanism by which you take the mask off. Um, So in this case, this patient was in isolation and I was required to put isolation equipment on, an N95 mask, a gown, gloves, um, a little thing on your head, uh, et cetera. And so I've been through the training, so I know what I'm doing. You walk in, I said hi to the patient, visited with him for five or eight minutes, and then I walk out. And when you walk out, you take all the equipment off very carefully. And when you get to the mask, you take the mask off. And what you don't do with that mask is I don't slip it in my back pocket. I don't put it around my forearm. I don't take it to my car and hang it over my mirror. They have a hazardous waste bin right outside the patient room and all this junk goes in there. And if I go back in, I get new equipment. So this idea that we should just start recommending now N95 masks for the general public with no training, with no fitting, with no instructions on how to put it on and put it off, I think is more harmful than helpful. And it's not going to really offer much benefit. And now they're even talking about children in our schools, not just masking, but wearing N95 masks. And I agree with your, I agree with you that requiring a kid to wear a mask in school is a form of child abuse. And in my opinion, no parent should tolerate that or should allow it. And if that's what the school is doing, your kid should not be, should not be at school. What do you think, Mark? I have a friend 
who I went to high school with, who lives in Northern Virginia, not in Loudoun County, but very close to it. And he is, of course, under the governance of the new governor, Youngkin, who won resoundingly the support of the people in the election this past fall. And when he came to, uh, to power and was elected, the first day he wrote, I believe it was eight emergency orders, one of which was we are not going to allow mask mandates in our children's schools, period. Now, within hours, his school, my friend's school and others announced that they would reject that mandate, that they would defy it, and they would continue to require children to wear masks at school. He got together with several parents that he's been speaking with in the last year and trying to initially peaceably and respectfully uh, argue that parents should have the right to not have their children wear masks if they so choose. He was not successful because the school cited the not just the federal government and the guidelines, but the state guidelines, the authority figures saying, look, it's not up to us. It's the state governor that's requiring. It's the state health department. It's all the people that we elected. So what can we do? Well, guess what? Now, all the people that the people elected are saying no to the mass mandates. And yet the schools, this is a private Catholic school, by the way, are still requiring them. So he's going to go to the campus with other parents this week, and he's going to threaten the school officials with a lawsuit if they either require his child to wear a mask indoors or outdoors, or ban him from school if he chooses not to wear a mask. It's an amazing amazing act of dishonesty and disingenuousness on the part of the school to first cite authorities that, that tie their hands. We can't do anything about it. And now that the people have spoken, they're saying, you know what, we're just going to defy it anyway. We don't care. It's disgusting. It's abusive. I can't imagine how parents will continue to support this sort of behavior on the part of local school officials, private and public, against the will of themselves, the people, and actually the elected governor. You know, it's reminiscent of, of interviews with some of these Nazi guards uh, asking why, why they did what they did. And, and the answer many times was just, we were just following orders. I was just doing what I'm told. And that's no longer an excuse. That doesn't, that doesn't fly with me. It doesn't fly anymore, does it? No. When, that's over. When you know you're directly harming children, uh, I'm just following orders uh, just doesn't work. You need to be held responsible. You should be voted out of office and parents should remove their kids, grandparents remove their grandkids uh, from these government schools. Not only are you harming the kids physically by the mask wearing, the psychological drama that those kids are going through, um, but they're also being indoctrinated, which is reason enough to remove the kids from school. And until enough people stop tolerating the tyranny, the tyranny continues. This idea that we can comply our way out of tyranny, it's just a mask, it's just a vaccine, it's just social distancing, um, is ridiculous and it's not working. We're harming the children, we're harming our, our economy, and we're ruining our country. And it's time for people to peacefully protest and practice civil disobedience, in, in my opinion. Well, now that this sign that you were quoting earlier is announcing people need to get booster shots, which means a third or a fourth shot, and wear these surgical, no, they're not even surgical, they're, they're really um, high contagion, locked, clean room masks outdoors, inappropriately, without training, is showing that 
the information that we're getting is no longer uh, debatable. It's no longer reasonable. When twice as many people who are getting boosted are actually getting sick than those who didn't ever get a shot to begin with, and people who are wearing masks indoors and outdoors, even N95 masks, are also getting sick at higher numbers than those who aren't wearing masks, it starts to call into question the whole argument, which implodes on itself, which is that this shot is so effective, it's so effective that people who haven't received it need to go out and get it. And yet it's also so effective that those who got it twice already have to get a third and a fourth one because the first and second didn't work. You see the problem with those two arguments, they're mutually exclusive. So putting aside medicine science, putting aside politics and personal preference, the arguments that we're receiving right now are intrinsically, intrinsically flawed. They simply don't make any sense. And any person of any age, stripe, immigration status, political position, who just thinks for a few seconds should realize that and should start to reject this nonsense and say, no more shots, no more masks, and we're pulling our children out of schools. I don't even think that this is a, um, an arguable point anymore. This isn't a partisan issue. This is just basic common sense, basic logic, and basic freedom. You're absolutely right. There's a lot of things, unfortunately, that are being advocated that make no sense. It's about as ridiculous as this notion that we should defund the police in order to reduce crime. It makes no sense at all. You know, this morning I'm reading the Epic Times Daily Edition. And there's a long article about a Florida case uh, where a family went to a judge to try to force the hospital to use ivermectin on a loved one that was in the ICU. Unfortunately, it didn't go their way, so they're not forcing them to do anything. But part of the article had an ad that came out a while back from the FDA. Uh, FDA, of course, is the Food and Drug Administration uh, that's supposed to have the back of Americans, uh, even though it's funded, 50% of the funding comes from pharmaceutical industry. And the ad, and you may have seen this because uh, it's been around and it's been controversial. And it's an ad, it, it has a doctor with a horse with a stethoscope around, it, around her neck. And then it has a doctor examining a patient in a traditional exam room. And the, and the headline is, you are not a horse, you are not a cow. Serious, seriously, you all, stop it. And then, and then the subscript is, why you should not use ivermectin to treat or prevent COVID-19. Using the drug ivermectin to treat COVID-19 can be dangerous and even lethal. The FDA has not approved the drug for that purpose. Just yesterday, maybe it was the day before, I called in some ivermectin for a patient um, to a pharmacy out in Riverside. And I had a long conversation with the pharmacist. And he said, well, you know, it depends on the condition of the patient and some of the details as to whether or not I'll dispense it. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Is there any other drug that when I call in, you are gonna make a decision based on details of the patient, whether or not you'll dispense it. And he kind of changed the subject. We argued back and forth, and I gave him the dosing from one of the protocols, 0.5 milligrams per kilogram per day, which is a fairly high dose, different than what we used in the early part of the pandemic of 0.2 milligrams per kilogram per day. And finally, the pharmacist, as he heard my higher dose, he goes, oh, no, 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 no. I can't prescribe, I can't dispense that dose. 
I'm like, well, what dose can you dispense and would you like the patient's number? And maybe you should take care of the patient since you're making these decisions. Well, that high dose, uh, that high dose can be dangerous. Really, how long have you been a pharmacist for? I asked. He said, well, 29, 30 years. I'm like, great, well, thank you for all the work you do. In your 29 or 30 year career, have you seen a single case of an adverse reaction other than upset stomach or diarrhea, which can happen with any medication, to ivermectin, and while we're on the topic, how about hydroxychloroquine? He said, well, you know, I'm a retail pharmacist. I'm not a hospital pharmacist. I'm like, oh goodness, what dose of the ivermectin will you allow me to dispense? And he, and he gave me a number that was half what I wanted. And normally what I do is, 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 uh, is treat for about five days to start with. I'm like, okay, great, do that. Uh, but please give the patient enough for 10 days worth and with one refill. He goes, oh, okay, doc, I can do that. I'm like, great. And uh, our, our producers, Beth and Doc, uh, they know uh, this, uh, this patient because uh, they had asked me to prescribe and we had talked about it and so forth. Uh, but this is the pharmacy, Beth and Doc, that, uh, that, that we, had to, we had to make this deal uh, to make the pharmacist comfortable uh, to prescribe the, round, the right amount. This is what's happening. This FDA, uh, this FDA advertisement, of course, is pure BS. That they say ivermectin can be fatal uh, or hydroxychloroquine can be fatal, that somehow this, this product is, is a horse product, is ridiculous. Every drug reuse, almost everyone can be used in animals and almost all of them are. My daughter just took her cat to the vet and the, the, the cat has a seizure disorder, interestingly. So the cat gets phenobarbital, little thing, little rub that you put on the back of the ear, I guess it gets absorbed. Well, phenobarbital isn't a cat anti-seizure drug, we use it with humans too. So almost everything we use on humans can also be repurposed and used in animals. So this is pure, unadulterated propaganda by one of our three-lettered uh, industries that is not just funded by taxpayer money, but is funded by the companies that they're protecting, and that's Big Pharma. And it's unfortunate, and we need to call them out on this, and, and hopefully uh, the American people are getting this message. There are a lot of people in Los Angeles that give drugs to their cats. And I have a lot of patients whose cats receive Prozac. Now, I've never heard, not once, in all my career, that Prozac is a cat medicine. <laughs> do you do therapy on cats, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> I do not do cat therapy, no, although I, I do know those I, who as do. As you know, I've got two cats, one of whom is named, named is Winston Churchill. And Winston Churchill is our newer cat, and then we have an older cat named Tiger. And Winston Churchill is not a nice cat. Winston Churchill just absolutely destroys poor Tiger, jumps on top of her, and they get into a cat for kerfuffle all the time. I was wondering if I could bring Winston Churchill in for a little therapy, because I think he's got some <laughs> anger management problems that needs to be dealt with. <laughs> I heard Prozac is actually quite helpful for that. Oh, maybe we should try that. There, there are, I just don't know the proper dose. There are animal chiropractors. Aren't there animal psychiatrists too? There are uh, cat whispers. I'm not even sure what that actual clinical designation is or what the testing parameters are in order to get your license. I think it's a, a somewhat vague term that allows people who um, have a subjective spiritual connection with animals to be able to practice freely. But I don't think there's any objective standards. So you, you won't be... Um identifying as a, as, a, as a cat psychiatrist anytime soon. I definitely will not. I think that could get me into a lot of trouble. 
I could be accused of um, spreading misinformation regarding uh, proper medical treatment for cats. And given that I'm trained as a human psychiatrist, they might actually try to take my my license away for practicing outside my scope. So speaking about your practice, update us. What are you seeing now clinically uh, from all this COVID psychosis that's going around? Well, you know what I'm seeing very recently is, and this is a positive change, I think, is a really great degree of concerted anger and rejection of illogical and absurd recommendations, guidelines, and mandates similar to the ones that we've been talking about, particularly among younger people who were very compliant at the beginning. I spoke with a young woman in her 20s who is planning to return to school in person at the end of this month. All university campuses in California are remote right now, private and public. And she was told that she can't go back to school without getting a booster. Now, she got two shots last summer because she thought that they would help protect her and keep her safe. Now, she has a clotting disorder called von Willebrand's disease that allows her or leads her to bleed more easily than a regular person who doesn't have that disorder, like nosebleeds, like cuts, um, menstrual bleeding, for example. She's been doing quite well, at least she had been until she got her first two shots. Her disease was very well controlled. Now, after the shots, she suffered chronic menstrual bleeding for over two months, and she couldn't stop it until she had an implantable IUD placed inside her body to help control the bleeding. Now, even after two shots and recovering from the shots and then getting sick with the coronavirus and recovering from that, she now can't return to school in person at Scripps College without getting a third shot for a disease that she now has immunity for with a drug that actually caused her to lose blood from her body for over eight weeks. And she cannot get an exemption because the school will not allow it, at least not so far. And guess what she said? She said, I was all in a year ago. I believed this. I wanted to do the right thing. I wanted to get shots. I wanted to get a mask. She said, I'm done. I am done. I am a liberal left-leaning largely Democrat supporter of all the policies that have been placed on us and guidelines. She is not a uh, Texas conservative at all. And she said, I'm done. I've had it. I have heard this story in similar fashion from many college students in the last couple of weeks who've come to me, to me face to face in my office to say, I need to go back to school. I don't believe in this anymore. I got shots. I got sick. I actually had injuries like chest pain and, and possible low-grade myocarditis in my male patients, and I don't want to do any more shots. I just want to go back to school. And the parents are echoing their children's concerns, and I, I feel a strong shift in the larger population, not just the people who were against this from the beginning, the people who went along with it, young people and their parents, and they're starting to push back, they're starting to say no. And I think that this is very enlivening and encouraging because the anxiety and the fear that I was feeling so strongly in the last couple of years is now evolving into anger and into resistance. And that's what I want to see more of. And that's why I'm so optimistic about this year being a turning point for us. Well, that's good. I, I think those emotions are appropriate and if directed properly can actually make change. I'm seeing that in my practice too, with especially with healthcare workers. And some of them just wanted to keep their job. So they, they took what they thought was the least uh, dangerous uh, product and they got the J&J &J shot. 
And then they felt relieved they could keep their job and continue to work. And you know, maybe they had some mild side effects, but they were confident that they would be okay. And now they're being forced in, in order to continue now their employment, the one shot isn't enough, now they need to be boosted. And many of them now have shifted from, I'm gonna comply because my job is important to, oh, hell no, I'm not gonna get a booster and I'm just not gonna do it. And I'm gonna gather with like-minded employees and together we're gonna take a stand. And I think if enough people do that, that these mandates and the tyranny will end. Again, we can't comply our way out of this. The only way we're gonna get out of this is enough Americans standing together and say, no, we've had enough. We understand the science. This is no longer a novel virus. It's been around for two years. We're clear about what the symptoms are. We're clear about what the treatment is. We know that there's excellent treatment. Omicron and then probably the next variant are gonna to continue to be mild. Um, and we're not gonna comply with things that don't work and potentially can harm us. So I hope you're right with what I'm seeing, um, what you're seeing, that there is a shift slowly occurring from this fear-based compliance mentality to an anger-based, I'm not gonna take it anymore mentality. And if enough of that happens, then maybe, just maybe, um, this whole thing will come crashing down and finally end, and we'll get back to living normal lives without fear and, uh, and without this sense of having to live with tyranny and compliance as, as part of daily routine. I just published, or I will be publishing as soon as I get my laptop back, a piece on Substack, which is titled Dependency, and it's looking at this whole issue of mass shots, antisocial distancing mandates from a, a 10,000 foot perspective. And I caution people to, even if we win this battle, to be vigilant because we're in a war here. And the war is not just about medicine. It's not just about shots and mass. It's really about, are we going to maintain and retain our basic core freedoms as parents, as students, as individual Americans, because the, the government is trying to do right now, largely speaking, is to use this whole medical pandemic to create a psychological pandemic that in the end will determine whether or not we remain dependent on government or not. And dependency on government, I believe, is the ultimate aim. It's not to get a shot in every arm. That's simply a, a vehicle to get to a larger goal. It's to keep keep all Americans not dependent on their spouses or their church or their community organizations or their, uh, their, their work. It's to keep them dependent on a government system, preferably a federal government system that guides them, leads them, orders them from very, very far away, doesn't care about them as individuals, and leads to tremendous abrogation of rights and suffering. So the big picture here that I want really everyone to understand is that this is a bigger battle than just a medical freedom battle. It is, that's important, but the war is really beyond that. It's really about individual rights versus government dependency. Yeah, no, no question. And, you know, listen, maybe God has a hand in what's going on. Maybe this pandemic was necessary to wake people up to this slide towards Marxism and socialism. You know, a little tease for our audience. Uh, coming up, we're going to interview Eric Metaxas, and we should certainly talk to him about that. And you know, while we're on the topic of teases, also coming up 
Uh, we're going to be interviewing Judy Mikovits. Uh, we've got Mike Lindell uh, over the coming weeks who's going to join us as well. And we've got some other uh, exciting guests. Before I forget, by the way, today is my dad's birthday. So happy birthday, dad. I know you listen to these. I love you. Uh, he's, uh, he's recovering from COVID as we speak. My dad lives, lives outside of uh, Dallas, Texas. My brother lives there as well. So dad, happy birthday. Sorry you're not feeling well. And uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. Um, so we've got some great guests coming up, Mark, and um, hopefully, uh, hopefully more excitement with informed dissent in uh, in 2022. Any any parting words before we uh, before we say goodbye to our audience until next time? Well, I am hard at work on my weekly writing on Dissident MD on Substack. And I'm also hard at work on getting my next book out there, which is Recovery from Fear, because I think, as we've been saying now towards the end of our show, we are moving into the recovery phase. We're past fear. We're past paralysis. We're moving towards freeing ourselves from fear and embracing freedom once again. And I want to try to help as many Americans as possible with that through my writing and, of course, through our uh, regular recurring podcast with our uh, amazing lineup of soon to be uh, revealed upcoming guests on our show, which are which are going to be great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Beth, also, I understand it's your birthday. I didn't know that. Uh, happy birthday to you. Uh, Beth is one of our producers and Rob McCoy, Pastor Rob McCoy coming up on Informed Dissent. You've been listening to Informed Dissent with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board certified primary care physician and Dr. Mark McDonald. Board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Informed Dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics.